Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading for today is from the New Revised Standard Version Bible, and our first reading, our only reading for today, comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority. For it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So for Lent this year, I wanted to do a series on some of the ways that we cope with the difficulties of life, with our grief, our heartache, and our loss, because some of these things are the things that put our faith through the greatest stress, and they are the things that can make us lose sight of God. I got the idea for this from a question that I received during our last series, and that question made me realize that one sermon would not do justice to that question. And so here we are, discussing the things that can make us lose hope. Because sometimes when we enter that dark valley, we don't know how to get out. And sometimes it's because of the way that we think about things. For today's message, I wanted to look at this idea of demanding a miracle. Because our scripture reading today helps us to understand that idea more completely. Most of us know the familiar story that begins Lent. Jesus goes out in the wilderness, and for 40 days he fasts and was tempted by the devil. We get three temptations in our reading today. Three tests. The first is to turn a stone into bread. Because if you're hungry, perform a miracle and eat. The response is that we don't live by bread alone. 
Feeding the physical body does not feed the spiritual. Making a miracle just to feed the body is not of importance. So the devil takes Jesus up, shows him the whole world in a flesh, offers to give him authority over everything if he would bow down and worship the devil. The reply is that we should worship God alone and serve only him. Now it's this next one that really gets us to the heart of today's message. They end up on top of the temple. The devil tells Jesus that if he is the son of God, he should jump. And he backs it up with scripture. The Bible says God will command his angels to protect you and lift you up so that you won't even knock your foot against the stone. We might recognize that from our psalm from today. The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it, right? There's a reason those words can easily get you into trouble. Jesus answers by again quoting scripture. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So the devil departs. Now, the reason this last question struck me is because the temptation here is to demand a miracle. Because scripture says you'll get it. But the answer was, don't try to test God. Now, I don't know if most people think fully about what that reply means. Because it's a complicated thing. There's a lot happening in this exchange. And so, we can miss a lot, especially with this last temptation, that if we try to put ourselves in the same situation and think we're on the Empire State Building and somebody says, jump, God will save you. Well, I know I'm going to say no. It's not that I don't trust God, it's that God gave me sense enough to know not to jump off the Empire State Building. Right? But what happens when we try to think about this same situation except in very different terms where it's not so obvious? And this is where things start to become difficult for us. Because the temptation isn't just about jumping from a high place. The temptation is enforcing God's hand to perform a miracle. Demanding a miracle because it's what you want. And this gets really difficult when we start putting it into other situations. Like when someone is terminally ill and we pray for a miraculous healing. 
when someone has been in a terrible accident and we pray for a miracle to get them through. When a relationship has fallen apart and is over and we pray that God intervene with a miracle to make everything right again. The problem that we run into with all of those situations is that they are in essence the same thing as jumping off the tall building and saying, catch me. The reason that they are is because in each instance we're saying, God, I need you to do my will. I need you to change everything to be how I want it. The problem is that we don't dictate to God how things go. Because we don't know anything beyond what we can see. I know this situation all too well. Because it caused a crisis of faith in my own early life. An unanswered prayer made me think God has turned his back on me. I had demanded a miracle from God. And it took me some time to come to terms with the fact that God had never walked away from me. It wasn't that God and I weren't on speaking terms. It was that I refused to talk to God. I had walked away. Because God had never demanded a miracle from me. I had demanded a miracle from God. As I got older, I began to realize what I wanted was just that. It was simply my wish, my desire. This was complicated by the fact that I started to think about how other prayers, other than my own, might not have lined up with what I was praying for. I wasn't praying that God's will be done. I was praying that God would make everyone abide by my will. But that's really hard for us to think about when we're in that dark valley. When that shadow comes over us, and we so desperately want what we want, it can be hard to get out again. We may blame God. We may be angry with God. We may turn away from God and think God has walked away from us. But the thing is, God doesn't walk away and leave us on our own. God's still there. But God knows more than we do. And as I pointed out before, if God stepped in with a miracle, for everything in our lives that goes wrong, our lives wouldn't be our lives at all. It would mean that there was no free will. I would have no reason to be talking to you today. Because there'd be nothing for you to do. God would micromanage our lives to the point that we wouldn't do anything at all. Not even respond to God's call. Not even 
praise Christ. Unless it's what God had us do. And that's not the world we live in. The other thing that struck me as I was writing this sermon was that it really wasn't fair of me to demand that God do my will just because I gave in to temptation and wanted what I wanted. Even if it were for the best of reasons, even if I didn't think there was anything selfish about it, And that can be hard when we are talking about something big like life and death. Because it's all too easy to be blinded by what we want. Because we can't see how any other way could ever be all right. But that's just the thing. We can't see. We can't know. And it can quickly become a cascade of difficult thought. Especially if we begin to think that every time something good happens, it's a miracle. And every time something bad happens, it's an unanswered prayer. Then we're on a roller coaster of being angry and rejoicing. The problem is that life happens. But we have to remember that Christ is there to help us live life. Not to avoid it or to get around it, but to live it. And to have life abundantly. Christ isn't there to fix all of the things that can happen in our lives. Christ is there to help us to live them, to get through them, and to cope with the hardships. But Christ is also there to remind us of the good things in life. Sometimes we lose sight of that because we get so focused on how we think things should be. And we lose sight of the fact that we are still here, and we still have a life to live, and Christ is still there to help us live that life. But one of the main things I wanted to get across today is that when we demand miracles, we aren't trusting God. Let me say that again. When we demand that God perform a miracle for us, we aren't trusting God. Instead, we're telling God that we know how to do his work better than he does. When we want to force a miracle, we're saying that we know how things should go that we know better than Christ.
that we are on the same level as God. Can any of you tell me right now that you are better than God? Can you tell me that you are holier than Christ? The thing is, if we trust God, we trust that God will get us through whatever happens and that God will help us to keep living. Does it mean we can't pray for the things that we wish would happen? Not at all. But it's not that God bows to our every whim, but that we remember that it's God's will that needs to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need to keep that in mind when we pray. We saw it in Christ. He didn't just pray, take this cup away from me. It was, if it is your will, take this cup from me. And a lot of times we forget that first part. But no matter how difficult it may feel, trusting that God will help us to live is better than thinking that we know better than God. We have to trust in God's love. We have to trust in God's grace. We have to trust that Christ will always be with us. Because God will still be there to comfort us, to guide us, and lead us, even in those times of darkness. Even when we feel broken and alone. We have to keep faith that we are never alone and that we are never abandoned. We just have to have that trust and have faith that whatever happens, we are still in the hands of a loving and merciful Savior. That no matter what happens, God is with us. Anywhere, anytime, always and forever. Amen.